0: Listening to the Tigger
1: Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Hello, everyone. I'm from your telephone company. And the message that we have for you is that we are changing your telephone service over to dial.
0: Hello
2: again, everyone. If the dial isn't already on your telephone, It soon will be. You might have noticed your phone service has been radically changed of late.
1: Instead of hearing the operator's familiar number please, you'll hear the dial tone.
2: Its fancy name is Video Telephony. The Video Teleconference comprises the technologies for the reception and transmission of audio-video signals by users in different locations for communication between people in real time. Video telephony is a communications phenomenon that will quite likely evolve. So, exactly what does the future hold for IR events? Well, we all get predictions from a man who's immersed himself in streaming content for a quarter century. And it just so happens he has a new book out this fall titled, Transitioning to Virtual and
0: Hybrid Events. One of the problems with virtual... Is that I'm always one click away from leaving it. So you better make it something that I'm gonna get captivated.
2: On the sticker podcast, Intrato Digital Media President Ben Chodor on what's next for virtual IR. But first, here's your IR news update. Sustainable investments now account for more than a third of all assets globally. So says the Global Sustainable Investment Alliance. The research, now in its fifth year, finds Canada with the biggest blip in sustainable investments. Between 2018 and 2020, the proportion of sustainable investments grew from about 50% to almost
0: 62%.
2: More than 7 in 10 institutional investors say they plan to buy digital assets in the future. A Fidelity study also found that more than half the institutions surveyed globally were already invested in digital assets. Finally, IR Magazine has released its second report into how COVID-19 has affected the investor relations profession. And back to tell us more is Garnet Roach with the latest edition of Garnet's IR Research Rockpile.
1: Hello, Jeff. I'm back after taking a little bit of time off. Um, I went to visit friends and family in London, which was very nice. So a thank you to Tim Human for covering for me on the last episode. So this month, I'm going to look at our latest impact of COVID-19 report on IR practices. So we did a big report on this last year, and this is an update to see how things have changed in the past 12 months. Um, I mean, I think we can all agree that virtual meetings is kind of perhaps the biggest biggest change to have come out of this um, in terms of investor relations and that's what the research shows. So the increase in virtual meetings and events is the change to working practices that seem to have had the most impact Um, and that's true, true across all regions and for both IROs and investors. The experience of increased virtual engagement during the pandemic is viewed most positively in North America and least positively in Asia. Generally speaking, IROs are more positive than investors, uh, with the, the majority of investors either indifferent or negative. And so the researchers talked to investors and IROs about their experiences in the past, but also looked at what they expect in the future. And so going forward, as we hopefully move out of the pandemic, increased virtual meetings and events are expected to have the largest impact in Asia and the least impact in North America. And there's little difference between how how IROs and investors anticipate the impact of virtual engagement in the future, though there is a cap size difference. So IROs at larger companies expect a greater impact than those at smaller companies. And looking again to the future, the anticipated impact of less travel is felt more in Asia, with 43% expecting a continued significant impact compared with 35% in North America and just 29% in Europe. So you can find that report along with... The research report on the impact of COVID 19 last year and all our other research reports on irmagazine.com.
2: For IROs, 2020 was the year of the virtual event. This year, they're analyzing their event strategy options for next year and beyond. Here's my conversation with Ben Chodor on what to expect as we move forward when this whole COVID thing sort of broke, what were you feeling at the, I mean, what was it like for you? I'm presuming like me, many of your clients were like, you'd have meetings with them and they'd say, no, we don't want to go to virtual events because this, that, or the other reason. And then suddenly they had to do that. Can you, can you sort of, if possible, sort of describe that pivot of, that, that moment when people were going, oh, no, I hate. And then the conversation changes to, well, we got to have it. And, you know, we kind of like it. Presumably, they say that. I don't
0: know. All right. I, I'm going to tell it in a little bit of a, of a story. And and what I mean is, one is, like, you know, nothing good came out of COVID, right? Because COVID was awful. And it, I can't say anything positive. But um, with that said, I wrote an article seven or eight or nine years ago that was all about the future of IR events were online and video-centric, and here was the reason why. So maybe I was six, seven years ahead of the times, and then COVID happened, and everyone was forced to go to where I was predicting they were going to go, and it's exciting, right? Because it was an industry that had a theme like, hey, if it ain't if it ain't broken, don't fix it, or this is how we always did it. And just because this is how we always did it doesn't mean this is how we should do it.
2: Well, sorry, when and you I say the industry, you're talking about the event management industry? The
0: or? IR. The, no, I think it's more about the IR event okay. industry. Uh-huh. I mean, right. the event industry in general, similar, right? But I would say... 25% of organizations did a virtual component to their physical events. In the IR space, it was even less, right? Because if you were going to do an investor day, it was about being there physically. If you were going to do a roadshow, it was about going to see. If you were doing a shareholder meeting, it was about being physical. Um, if it was an AGM in, you know, all over Europe, it was more about physical than the virtual. And when COVID hit, they were forced and and government organizations said you now can have your AGMs and your shareholders virtual events, right? And they happened and they were successful. And people realized like, whoa, I can do an investor day and still communicate and still do deals. And I could have a shareholders meeting and still take voting from my shareholders and still engage with them. And what my favorite part is where we're going into the next phase is, wow, we could do these as, as hybrid, which means I now could have an investor day and do my presentation and people could see it physically in the room, people see it virtually in the room. And then when I do the one-on-ones with the, with the investors or, or the analysts, Some of them could be over video call while I'm sitting in the room. And then the next appointment I have with someone could be someone getting beamed in from Tokyo, right? So what's really amazing about it is we finally, this industry is finally embracing the technology and the power of of being able to go global and bring what you're offering to where your audience is and allow your audience where they are, to be brought in and it's just, it's a, it's like a bright, bold new world. And I'm so excited to see what happens in like the second half of this year and going into 22 in the space. And I don't think there's any turning back. And I think if you, you know, went out and really spoke to people who produced investor days, you're going to hear more and more and more going to be virtual. I was just on the phone mm-hmm. yesterday with a large financial institution and they're talking about what will our definition of hybrid be and how are we going to engage with the physical and the virtual audience? And then my other bold prediction, if we're just talking IR in general is um, earnings, which already get streamed um, four times a year. Most of them are audio right now. They're going to move to video and, and it's super exciting to be able to see the, eyes of the of the c f o and the c e o when it's a good quarter and see them pound their chest and say how great their organization is, and it's also as exciting when it's not a great quarter to be able to see them and look in their eyes and see how they're going to fix this and what they're gonna do going forward. I just think there is no turning back, so I am just incredibly excited and jazzed about you know the next twelve months of this industry.
2: So hybrid meetings and video earnings calls on the horizon, um, which until now IROs have been leery about, um, now that it's been thrust upon them, they are inevitably getting more familiar and confident and comfortable with it.
0: You know, I could add one other, Jeff, I think there's one other thing, right? It's the last 15 months has forced executives To be on camera, Mm. where traditionally, you know, if you got on a WebEx or even a Zoom call, if you look at all the stats about, you know, Zoom and WebEx and all the conferencing tools, you know, 75% of all attendees pre COVID would be audio only, right? And during COVID, and now as we head out of it and post COVID, it's video centric. People expect you to be on video when you're on, you know, a web conference. And executives have now are more comfortable because it's the only way that they've been able to communicate with their employees, their customers, their shareholders, the financial community, the investors everywhere. So, guess what as we go forward, it, no one's going to sit there and be shy away and they know the power of it. And you know, that's we crossed that chasm of people going, no, nope, I don't need to do video." The big question is go. How are we going to do it? What's the quality of the video? Are we going to do recorded? Are we going to take live questions? Are we going to engage the audience? Those are the questions everyone's going to be figuring out as we go back to this new norm. Um, And we're calling them hybrid right now. But I really think in the future, we're not going to say this is an in-person, this is a hybrid, or this is a virtual. A meeting is a meeting. um, And it will all have a physical... Or could have a physical and a virtual element to it, hmm. but there's no one or the other anymore.
2: Huh. Okay. I want to get to sort of how practically you can pivot to a, a virtual or hybrid hybrid event, but just just to back up a bit. So your, your clients were were inundated with your technology and then this new way of doing things. Um, when they spoke with you, what was there anything they were particularly surprised about? in terms of the benefits of, of virtual or even hybrid, hybrid events um, moving forward?
0: Yeah. I, I, so I think there's one is, is the obvious. The obvious one is they were able to get more attendees across mm-hmm. the board. And I'll give it, there was probably a couple reasons in the beginning and during the COVID time that they did. One is people in one place, they weren't on planes, they weren't traveling. So it was easy to go, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to click into it. I can't tell you how many events that I, and I live in New York City, that I would sign up for. And then life gets in the way, and I say, I can't make it over to the hotel, right? So I'm not going to attend because it wasn't even a virtual element to it. So one, they got more attendance. Two, they were able to do more programs in in a given period than a physical location where you pick a location, you have to promote it it's that day, you know, you could actually also enable multiple time zones. So you could do an event and hit East Coast time and then do it again for the West Coast time and then do it for me time zone and for APEC time zone, if that's what you were trying to do. So just the ability to just not have to say, OK, we're doing it at 3 p.m. at this time at this hotel. And doesn't matter if it's what time it is where you are, right? You, you had the ability to do it multiple times. And then another benefit that they were able to get on, it, on from it is the on-demand element of the content, where if I attended live, I had the virtually, I had the ability to ask questions and engage. Um, but the, one of the powers was, hey, if I did, missed it, I can now watch it afterwards and still come back and set up a time to ask questions. But also, if I attended it live virtually, or live physically as we go forward in hybrid, I now can go back to my office and I can tell some of my colleagues, you now should watch this because it's gonna be available on demand and this content's really riveting. So it also enabled one user to help amplify your message and not just say, hey, I attended this and this was really good, you should learn more about it. You can actually sit there and go, "Here's a URL. Go here, sign up." You should part, to, you know, watch this content or engage with this content because I think this is something that my org or your org would be interested in.
2: Pardon me, uh, just for my benefit. I mean, I, how is that different from from what it would be before they would? They would my recollection is they'd always say, um, you know film and uh, information slides and stuff from X event will be available on the site tomorrow or something you know following the event
0: because the the content that was created pre right was meant for the physical audience, and then your your particip- participation virtually right was more of a voyeur. Right. It was camera in the back of the room and And not all content was always captured. So now the content is meant, okay, thinking about your audience. And then the other side is, let's say it's not it's table stakes now to capture going forward to capture your content, and make it available. But now it's not just about making it a YouTube on demand library of your content. It's about action steps. It's about engagement. It's about being able to click through and then
1: maybe have a video
0: chat with someone. So, and schedule meetings via it. And so that's where it's changing. And it's not anyone saying, I'm only going to do it one way anymore. It's about customizing it for your end audience. Where it used to be, we're trying to do this event. I want to get a X number of people physically here and then we'll make it available. Now it's going to going like, we need to make this content available for a larger audience or a more global audience, and I need to make it compelling to them. Because one of the problems with virtual is that I'm always one click away from leaving it. So you better make it something that I'm, if I log into it and I'm interested, you better make it something that I'm going to get captivated. At least at a physical event, when you go to a physical event, If you don't like the content you're hearing in one of the sessions, you walk in the hallway, you have a cup of coffee, you talk to some friends. So a lot of onus is going to go on, make it, you know, make it compelling for me to stay, watch and engage. And that's one of the other keys. Now virtual isn't just a voyeur. You know, it's not just Netflix, click it on and watch. It's how do I engage with all the content, why it's happening and not just seeing it up on the screen.
2: Huh, and, the, and the producers of that content are going to have to come up with new event styles that we probably haven't even thought of yet. Um, exactly. To do that, engagement. exactly, and that,
0: and that, yeah, and that's the exciting part, right? Because why should it be the same way it's always been? You know, and every every medium, every you know, it's about grow and adapt. You know, like if you just look at television for the longest time, it's like but we don't want to put stuff on demand, right? Because you know, you're not going to watch it at 8 p.m. on Thursday. And then they were like, okay, we're going to put it on demand, but we're not going to put it to a week later. And then they realized, oh, you know what? I don't care when you watch it, as long as you watch it. And sports for the longest time was the organiz- – if you don't sell out the stadium, we're going to black out that content in your location. And then they realized, well, if we only 50, hit 50,000 people in the stadium – and we make it available broadcast, millions of people could watch it, and we'll get more advertising dollars, right? And the same thing happening in we'll call corporate, we'll talk, talk investment, in IR. It's how do I reach my targeted audience, wherever they're going to be, with really compelling content. And like you said, no one's perfected what it's going to be going forward in the next 12 months. And again, if we have the same conversation in 12 months from now, you and I are going to sit there and go, it'd be fun to go, here's what we learned in 22 and the end of 21 that worked. Here's what didn't work. But the one thing we will be saying, there's a virtual component more often and video is going to be really compelling because you cannot do Investor Day or finance related programs anymore where you're just going to stream the audio with slides, right, which we do right now for earnings calls or earnings streams, it's all going to start transitioning to video and graphic, um, you know, going forward. And again, my opinion and what I feel in my in my gut of where the industry is heading.
2: And that'll draw people in. Hmm. Well, what are you guys working on then in terms of of the technology? Are there any secrets that you're well, working on, secret projects to to really um, um uh, what's the word? Uh, you know make it an even more immersive experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things we're working on, right? We're you know we like to consider ourselves as one of the largest in the place that we we check the box. we can handle a super large audience, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand people check we can handle it. We've been doing it for a long time. Check, we can do it. We're, gonna, we're secure and safe, and we pass more info security probably than any other company. Check. Um, our platform is stable. Check. Um, it's customizable. Um, we do it as a 3D environment. We also can do it as we'll call it the 2D environment. You know, the flat, responsive, like microsite look and feel. Right. And every single quarter, every single month, we're adding... New features of functionality. We're about to make our announcement that we're adding matchmaking, which we talked about. That's starting in the month of June. June, uh, and we're in, you know, of twenty one. We will have this month. We will have matchmaking. So when Jeff comes into our event, we'll say, "Hey, Jeff, here's five people you should meet with. Here's five exhibitors you should go to, and here's the content that we think will be appropriate for you." And we've already added Jeff the feature that you just asked about recently, where Hey, if I see another attendee, I can click a button and have a one-on-one video chat with him, or I can go into a little group meeting and see everyone's video. Um, We have so many more features that are coming, and we get them from our customers. What do you want? What are you looking for? You know, another great feature that is schedule meetings. I had the ability to, just like when you would physically go to a conference, before you got there, you would schedule who I'm going to meet with. You could do the same thing in virtual and so our goal is to constantly, we like to call it innovate and disrupt ourselves yeah. and not rest on our laurels. And so a lot, more, a lot more features and functionality are coming into our our platform. And especially when we go to hybrid because the definition of a hybrid has changed. It's not just taking the content that was at the physical event and sending it virtually. It can mean everything like bringing a speaker virtu- from the virtual world into the physical location what happens if there's eight regional meetings going on at a time? How do we bring them all together and still get the virtual audience involved? So, um, like, stay tuned. Lots of amazing things happening as we go into you know third and fourth quarter of 21 for um, our organization, and I can't wait to share them all with you.
2: And that's your ticker podcast. My thanks to Intrado Digital Media President Ben Chodor. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette. W. O. Four. Seven. Seven.